بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه يجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمورنا وأعذنا من شرور أنفسنا The narration was discussed last week was regarding how Allah Tabarakullah Allah has given Islam that power that it can rise from the bottom and how the system of this world of fitna and trial is that everything that reaches its peak that it must accept to fall after. And whenever someone sees the fall he should not become so shocked and he should lose so much hope as though there will never be a rise this is a match or it's an imtihan that Allah Tabarakullah tests you with the power of Sulaiman and he tests with the trials of Ayyub you go very high up and then a person can come very low down and in every condition he must be nothing but the slave of Allah during difficult times crying is no problem crying to such an extent that you lose your eyesight is no problem but losing hope of the mercy of Allah in any condition is kufr. And when you go up, 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 enjoying the favors of Allah, there's no problem. Getting gripped with pride is a major problem. So the imtihan of climbing is that Rabbi awzi'ni an ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta aliyah. Only shukr. And the imtihan of difficulty is la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Look at Yaqub how he cried for Yusuf how he cried. But what was his level of hope that when he lost bin Yamin, that was after so many years, besides saying go and look again for bin Yamin, he said go and look for Yusuf So then the son said, but haven't you lost hope now of Yusuf? He said, La taqnatu. don't ever lose hope. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, count six things before Qiyamah. We mentioned two or three. The first was when he said, my demise, that, that was like the end. The Sahabi radiallahu anhu, hearing it, he even said, I burst out crying. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Summa. But amazing, you will then see the conquest of Baytul Maqdis. That was like waited from the time of Sulaiman alayhi salam. After his demise, and the kingdom of Sulaiman broke up. At that time already there was a shaitani kingdom. It was called Israel at that time. The breakaway kingdom. And then with time, different empires came into the lands of Al-Aqsa. And the worst was Bukhta Nasr. And then there was no Aqsa left. Then Allah brought a person by the name of Cyrus. And he helped the Bani Israel destroy the Babylonian kingdom. He brought them back to Al-Aqsa. They rebuilt but what they were going to build now was never going to be the Aqsa of Sulaiman salam. And they never enjoyed rule after that. They were ruled by others. Persians can, came, they ruled over them. The Greek ruled over. The Romans ruled over. And whenever the Romans became irritated with them or their stubbornness, then they would show their revenge. The worst revenge was when the existing now masjid, the Romans broke that also. 
So they never ever got back what they had in the time of Sulaiman salam, but they waited for it. Every Nabi that came so told them that a time will come. They would speak to them of the crying Jerusalem and how Jerusalem calls out for its saviors. In the Bible until today you will find those passages where Jerusalem cries for its army. That when will my army come? So those that are waiting for that army, they can carry on waiting till Qiyamah. Like. That army came. Whatever is mentioned in the Bible, that you will find exactly that happened when Sahaba radiallahu went into the lands of Al-Aqsa. The Bible described it very well. In the words of the Bible, you will see Marwa mentioned also. Marwa, the Mount of Marwa, when they will pass Marwa. And they will become to a water that never ever stops giving out its water. There's only one water like that in the world, Zamzam. And when they will be singing the glory of Allah from every place, Nabi Sallallahu said, You are that Hamadun, Yahmadun Allah ala kulli hal. This Ummah is the one in every condition praising, thanking Allah. So that wording in the Bible, the chapter of those that cry or the, the army that Jerusalem cries for, if someone reads it, you don't have to be a master scientist because there also there's one word called Bakka. And that word Bakka mentioned previously, we mentioned it also. Bakka, everyone knows it's Makkah Mukarrama. Even if you put in Google today, Google lies so much. But if you put Bakka today, you'll see Makkah. But for some reason, the man who still comments on the Bible, he will write the Bakka, then he write the location unknown. Because that shows the whole story like. Then you'll see Marwa, you'll see Zamzam, then you'll see this Ummah. This Ummah was the only one that walked into Al-Aqsa and how they took it and how they re-established it. And the glorious era of Sulaiman came again. But those who wanted to stay blind, they will carry on waiting. So Thumma Fathu, from that era, from Sulaiman time, they waited for the coming. Nabi Sallallahu said, my death, which you will think it's the complete collapse, but it will stand up so fast. So fast it will stand up. And then he said you will find a mutan, that plague, that waba, which will grab in you like how the animal grabs in sheep, how the sickness grabs in sheep, sheep and goats and how they just die. That was known as the plague of Amwas. And again it was so many great sahaba who passed away that you would have said this is like the end of Islam. When great men like this pass away. Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah was known as Amin wa hadihi al-Ummah. Umar radiallahu said, if he was alive, I would have made him Khalif. So it means like the next Khalif of Islam. If he passed away, now you'll say, now where will Islam ever hope to ever come up again? Then the next wording, thumma istifadatul amwal. And then you will see a burst of wealth. So when you had a plague and you said, with the plague, it's the end. We will never stand up again. This is the uniqueness of Islam. There is never an end. Every door. There is a nice writing of one of the scholars of Islam. He said that whenever a door has closed, Allah opened two. When he gave an example, he said, look at the child. When it was in the womb of the mother, it only had that one cord. That cord was the source of its sustenance. Blood would come through it. When the child is born, it's born with that cord. On birth, the doctor has to now cut the connection between the child and the mother. 
So at that time, definitely the child will look at the mother and the doctor and say, how could you do this? And if the child could, it doesn't. But if it could, he would say, oh Allah, this is my only source of sustenance. He says, as soon as Allah cuts one door, closes one door, then the two doors, meaning the breasts of the mother, opened up for it. And now no longer was there what we call milk, blood, it would now become milk. One door closed, it opened up into two doors. He says, then it enjoyed from the two doors a river of milk until the time came that Allah said, I will now close these two doors. If you ever saw the child on that day, how he cries, when the mother says, I will wean you of the milk. That night, the way he cries, the way he cries, either the father that day, he already gives his name three days, Jamaat. He's out, he doesn't know. The mother has to go through it. It's not easy. It's not easy on that day. Especially if you're somebody else's house on that day for some reason. And you're trying to tell the child, keep quiet, keep quiet. The child's not keeping quiet. He's looking at the mother and says, how can you do to me what you're doing? But the mother knows that as soon as the two doors will close, he says, Allah will open up for you four doors now. He says, the two doors is called milk and water. And then from milk and water, you get your entire world of different drinks. You'll get your juices and you'll get your shakes. But everything is made up of milk and water. And then you'll get vegetation and you'll get meat. And with that day, how many curries will come out? But as there, the child only had one drink of milk with no different taste. It wasn't today you'll have strawberry milkshake and tomorrow banana milkshake. But now when the doors opened up, two closed and four opened, now what are you going to get after that? It's four, but with that four, you can go into hundreds and hundreds. Four doors. He said, then man becomes so used to the four doors that he thinks after this there can never be another. That's why when death has to come, he becomes so scared. Where will my milk be? Where will my food be? Where will my vegetables be? Where will my meat be? He says, but the one who allows Allah to close four doors for him, he will find eight doors of Jannah opening. And behind those doors, each thing will have another hundred, 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 and it will never stop. Whenever one closed, Allah opened two. ثُمَّ إِسْتِفَادَةُ الْأَمْوَالِ He said, then so much of wealth spread, will spread. Ulama have written, so much of wealth started spreading at the end of the era of Umar radiallahu anhu. Where Umar radiallahu himself would look at the masjid and he would say, Oh dunya, what an exam you are. And he would just see it lying in the masjid, heaps and heaps of gold. And then in the beginning era, and for majority of the era of Usman radiallahu anhu, when Islam started now, going throughout the world. ثُمَّ إِسْتِفَادَةُ الْأَمْوَالِ حَتَّى يُعْطَى الرَّجُلْ مِئَةَ دِينَارِ said, you will find an era where a man will be given 100 gold coins. Because remember, Sahaba radiallahu saw that time, that when one Sahabi had to do something, then someone said, what will you pay for it? Or he told the person, what will you pay? That person needed to pay a ransom. So the man said, I'll pay you any amount you want. So he needed to work out an amount, so he gave one amount. And that king or that leader said, I'll pay it and give me back what I want, whatever it was. So later on when the sahabi is telling someone that I had what the person wanted and he told me I'll pay you any amount. So I asked him for so much. So the man said to him, couldn't you have asked for more? He said, I never know there's a number more than this. Like, For me, this was the highest you could go. 
At one time they couldn't. Number one, they were not people who counted. And number two, they could never imagine there could be money more than a certain amount. He said, but now you will get so much wealth that a man will get 100 gold coins. Forget silver. فَيَظَلُّ سَاخِطًا And you will still be unhappy. He said, you're paying me so little. In the era of Usman radiallahu anhu, well started for Islam and how? The kingdom of the world it became. فَيَظَلُّ سَاخِطًا High again. And the normal law is whenever you go up, you must be ready again for another collapse. This world is. Whenever an institute comes up, then the main dua that is made, Allah now save you from Nazribad. As long as there's no building, there's no Nazar. As long as a thing is not stable, nobody bothers. As soon as something becomes stable, that's when you see everyone says, I want to be the Amir. You will see a masjid, when there's no masjid there, there's no workers there. When the masjid is being built, there's hardly anyone to help. When the time of collection is taking place, no one to go. And just before the jalsa or the opening of the masjid, then you will see everyone stands up. Who's part of the committee? Everyone comes at the time when the building comes up. And then the war starts. Everything goes up, must come down. He said, Thumma fitnatun. Then you will see that fitna. La yabqa baytun min al-Arabi illa dakhalathu. There will not be a house of the Arabs except that this fitna, this child will enter. Ulama write that perhaps it was referring to the fitna that began with the assassination of Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu. And with his assassination, with his martyrdom, with his shahadat, so much, so much of this trial then went into the Arab world. First there was the battles between Ali radiallahu anhu and Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. And how many Muslims would pass away in those battles. And Islam would become weaker and the Christian world would become like Desirous that now we can attack. Now we can launch our armies against them because they're fighting amongst themselves. And then Muawiyah radiallahu and Ali radiallahu in the ending finally made a type of a sulah that bring an end to this battle. And then Ali radiallahu was then martyred and they tried to martyr Muawiyah radiallahu For a while then he took the reins of the ummah and for 20 years things were like stable but the enemy were not stopping. And then we know of the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Hussein radiallahu anh, and they call it Karbala. And that created again such a major problem that finally the whole Khilafat came down to the ground. This was all part of this one fitna that was just going into every, every Arab house. The entire Khilafat came down. And a new Khilafat came known as Banu Abbas. And they killed so many Muslims. Now there was not non-Muslims killing Muslims, it was Muslims killing Muslims. They killed so many. Muslims had to run from Muslims. Muslims had to run from Muslims. Fitnatun la yabqa baytum min al-Arabi illa dakhalatu. And at that time if somebody had to look at what's happening, they would have just said like, forget jihad ever starting again. This is never going to end. Muslim killing Muslim. Muslim running from Muslim. There was massacre after massacre after massacre. The only ones they say that survived of the Umayyad family were the ones that managed to flee. Even young children were killed. They never thought that they will come out of that calamity. But thumma hudnatun. 
That's the time when the Christian world would have thought, now we'll destroy Islam. Meaning again Islam will rise. And they began rising after that. The era of Harun al-Rashid is a known era in Islami tarikh. It was an era where the Christians all pulled back. Where he wrote his famous letters to the Christian leaders, you dog. Call them you dog. If you don't submit, I myself will come. At that time, you wouldn't have the Khalif himself going. He said, I myself, and he went. He left the whole Khilafat. He went himself to attack the Roman lands. He disgraced them. That letter was, you dog. That you will see what will happen to you. And he showed them what will happen. History records the letters of Harun Rashid, the Khalif. So, Hudnatun, finally the Christian world submitted. That we will now not attack you. We will not fight against you. We will be like the dog. It will remain the dog in its kennel. That we will not attack any of your borders. Please just leave us in peace. Thumma Hudnatun, which means Islam will again will rise. And the Christian world will be pushed one side. Which will be between you and the Romans. Unique ahadiths. Some of these ahadiths are such that, like how Quran, in every era when you read Quran, you will say it's revealed for this. And when you look at the wording before it and your wording after it, everything fits in place. That's the miracle of Quran. It fits for every era. Many of the ahadiths of Rasulullah Wasallam, the wording is such that you will see it fits A to Z on one incident. And it might fit again A to Z on another and another and another. So maybe another time the world will see this narration, but one time that we saw it was here. That hudnatun, then the truth took place with the Christians. They were not going to think about attacking the Muslim world. And the Muslim world now never thought that the Christians will ever launch an attack on them. فَيَغْدِرُونَ But then they will break the treaty. They will deceive you. فَيَغْدِرُونَ فَيَأْتُونَكُمْ تَحْتَ ثَمَانِينَ رَايَةً And they will launch their attack against you. They will come against you with 80 flags. This is what the world now called at that time the Crusades. It started with the first crusade. And they had like eight crusades. Eight crusades. And in that entire amount of the crusades, we'll never know the exact amount of the armies that came. But we can get a certain like estimation from the books of history. The narration says they will come to you تحت ثمانين رايا under 80 flags. تحت كل رايا إثنى عشر ألفا under every flag that they will come, there will be 12,000 12, of their soldiers. 12,000 under 80 will give you about 960,000, meaning close to a million. 900,000 soldiers, you might say that that's normal. Battles in the past would never come with so much. Because that's like moving one whole town, moving it, moving it. Who's going to feed them? In the battle of Badr, when Nabi ﷺ heard that the army of the Quraysh is huge. At that time the Muslims were only 300. So he heard of a huge army. They caught certain of the slaves of the enemies. Nabi ﷺ asked, how big is your army? He said, huge. Meaning they themselves never know the number. Who's on account? Huge. 
Nabi said, okay, how many camels do they slaughter? He said, how many camels do they slaughter? Then the man said, sometimes 20, sometimes 10, sometimes 10, sometimes 20. Nabi then looked and he said, the army is between this and this. They're between 900, they're between 1,000. For that group, there was no way to even work out their numbers. They were so huge. Then later on, the Muslim army was 1,000, the enemy were 3,000. And then battles would be fought with thousands. That's why in the third crusade, they said the third crusade brought a huge number that had never been brought out before, 50,000. 50,000 was a number that had never been brought before to attack. 50,000. So when the Muslims heard an army of 50,000 are coming, that is why some historians have written that some of the numbers that are in the books of history of battles is exaggerated. Armies would never come with so many. But here the narration said when they will come, they will bring an army of 960,000. Perhaps that was the combined full amount which came over that eight crusades. Eight crusades took place in a period of about 200 years. It started in the year about 1096 or 1092, whatever, 1096, and it ended by 1291. So about 200 years. But when that first crusade army settled in the Muslim lands, فَيَأْتُونَكُمْ تَحْتَ ثَمَانِينَ رَايَةً تَحْتَ كُلِّ رَايَةٍ إِثْنَا عَشَرَ أَلْفًا Only if we were in the lands of Sham at that time, or if you read the books of history deep, and you put yourself in it, you will understand what a low the Muslim Ummah reached, and how high the Christian world went, and how fast Allah changed things. That who was yesterday shocked was now laughing, and who was laughing was left shocked. When the first attack took place, which they called the first crusade, in about 1096, perhaps they started it, and by 1099, it was wrapped up already. Three years. In three years, they managed to devastate the entire Muslim world of Sham. Much of that lands were already under Fatimi Shi'i rule, but it was in the ending Muslim land. They entered into Jerusalem, the man said, I give you all a guarantee that if you open the gates, there will be no one killed. They opened the gates, everyone was like killed. How they killed? History wrote that this part can't be denied that when the horses walked, it was like a joke for them. They trampled on bodies of children. And the horses were enjoying like walking through blood. Blood was just rising. They were enjoying that just to Trample upon people, trample. That was just Jerusalem. They said after that when they told that the battle is over, in three years they wrapped it up like so many of the soldiers returned to the European lands, Lord stayed behind. They were able to put up four kingdoms. They put up four kingdoms. Jerusalem was one. It was known as the Christian kingdom of Jerusalem. Kingdom. Then they had Edessa, they had Antioch, they had Tripoli. You won't understand unless you see in a map that where they started from, where they took over to. That entire Sham 
Today it got so many different names, so you can't even say Syria, you can't even say going into Turkey, you can't even say going into Egypt. An entire land, starting from one end to the other, was all this Christian land it was called. And then 30 years later, Allah started that the Muslims were now going to show a revolution. At a time where no one thought revolution was possible. First kingdom, four kingdoms they put up. One was Edessa. Edessa falls into the hands of the Muslims. The European world now who was laughing yesterday is now shocked. How could they take a kingdom? From where did they come? This is Islam. From the bottom it rises. From the bottom. The king of France, the king of Germany. These were like big countries at that time. For two kings to be sent. The second crusade sends two kings to come. They don't send an army, the king of France, the king of Germany to come and find out how could we lose Odessa. Soon as they enter into the lands, Muslim lands now it's called. Muslim armies defeat them. The name Nuruddin Zengi was famous in that. Saljuk general he was, but he was now called the master of the Muslim lands, Nuruddin. And now it is just the rise of the Muslim world. After a while, Nuruddin will send his main general, he's called Sher Ko. Sher, we know it means lion. Ko means mountain. The lion of the mountain, Sher Ko. Or Sher Ko, it's supposed to be what they call him, Sher Ko nowadays. Sher Ko, it was the mountain of the lion. And under him, he says that his own nephew was what we call today Salahuddin al Ayyubi, must be under Sher Ko. And they enter into Cairo. And they start taking the lands of Cairo back. So we will end on that, but just the lesson that it gave. Sherko was very strong. So when they entered into Cairo, the only reason they entered was the Fatimi Empire was in Cairo, Egypt. And they had their own politics carrying on. So when the Leader, the Shi'i leader, what they call the Malik, the king, King Abid. When he was scared, or when his one minister was scared of another minister overthrowing him, the only thing he could do is take out a hand towards Nuruddin and say, can you please save me from that evil? So they started fighting themselves and that's how Nuruddin's army managed to reach into Egypt. So after they sorted out everything and Sherko saw where the problem was, so he got rid of the problem. So the Shiri king, he has to now appoint Sherko as leader of the army. So he appoints him that you my minister now. So at that time no one's going to talk, you are Shiri and you got a Sunni minister. They were not bothered about it. As long as I'm the king, you can be whoever you want to. And Sherko was now the minister. So at that time history writes that the Shiri king, he looked at Sherko and he looked at Salahuddin. Salahuddin was a young boy and Sherko was a recognized leader. So they say he plotted to have Sherko assassinated. Because for some reason in a very mysterious manner Sherko passed away. And he himself jumped and he said and now I appoint Salahuddin as the in charge of the army. And the only reason he did it is he said this boy is so young, so inexperienced. So I'll manage to play with my thumb around him. So he can think he's in charge of the army and I'll rule the country. 
What I'm trying to say in this thing is that when Sherko died, the power of Salahuddin rose even further. And very soon there was no Adid left in the lands of Egypt. When Salahuddin was given the reins of the army, he became the most beloved to the people of Egypt. And in a very short time, he managed to change the entire scene. There was no Shi'i judge left. There was no Shi'i signs left. There was only one Malik Al-Adid that was left. Everything was going one after the other. What Sherko was never thinking of doing, Salahuddin Al-Ayyubi, when he was made in charge, who made him in charge? The very Shaitani Shi'i. That he said, so young he is, He'll never manage to do more than Sherko. But when Allah wants revolution, by Allah there's not one Marde Mujahid, one lion of Islam, that if the lion of the mountain goes, then there will be no cub who will be the next lion. In Islam, whenever someone was martyred, a leader, why I say this loudly is, we still hear many Muslims saying, but what if that president of Turkey passes away? What if as though the president of Turkey is like one man who is the barrier between shaitan and Islam. There is never one man that is a barrier. Allah creates barriers after barriers after barriers. So when one person said, but it's only one man there. And the day he dies, the whole thing will crumble. Our answer is, so where is Allah there? Is Allah. So then I said to him that there's something called the Rothschild. The Rothschild have their own advisors. It's called advisors to the Rothschild. They write like, they take a survey of what's happening, survey, and then they write now what we must worry about. One of the things that were written not long ago by one of the advisors of the Rothschild was this. They don't think that Turkey is now that puppet that it was a few years ago when they used to say yes boss, yes boss to the German leaders. He said if you look at Turkey now, they are the boss. No longer are they yes boss, yes boss. He said they are major power in the future. So if we think that just by hitting the economy our work is going to get done, we'll have to think again. And as what he wrote, the world saw it. They put their sanctions, they hit the lira, nothing happened. Nothing. Turkey just started. They said, we won't sell you this arms. Turkey said, no problem. We make our own arms. Now they're making those jets which other countries want to buy. America just a few years ago said, we won't sell the jet to you. They said, we'll make our own jet. And then he wrote, and don't think that there is only one or two individuals that is steering the ship. And once they go, it will be back to ours. He said, what we are finding is there's an entire cabinet that all think like that man in front. Meaning if one or two goes, there's another hundred cubs that are coming. So for that man to make that observation, whoever was that man who wrote it, was a very, you say, top observation. When Allah wants something to happen, Sherko passed away, martyred. The lion of Islam, Salahuddin Ayyubi, was brought up. What Malik al-Adid was worrying, like how that king, in the hadith it comes and he said, now kill the boy. 
And then when they killed the boy, then everyone started reading Kalima. And his soldiers came to him and said, Oh king, that what you were fearing, that happened. That you caused it. The death of one caused the biggest problem. He said, kill this one boy, Abdullah. So he shot the arrow. He said, in the name of the rub of this boy. And he shot the arrow. The arrow hit where he wanted it to. The boy passed away. On the boy falling, everyone started reading Kalima. The soldier said, what you feared, that happened. Opposite. When the revolution of Islam starts, whatever they fear and they try, the opposite happens. Shirko passed away, Salahuddin Ayyubi was created. There was no Malik Al-Adid left. The Shi'i ruler was like the last. Finally, Nuruddin Zengi sent a message that in the khutbah you must take out his name. That name of the Mahdi. The Mahdi was dead years ago. But the one who started the Fatimi Empire. And this present Khalif Al-Malik Al-Adid, take out the names from the khutbah. For Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, that was hard. How do you take out the names? People are so used to it. He said that I'm scared in Al-Azhar to take out the names. Azhar was created for Shi'i thought. So finally, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, his father even came from Nuruddin's side to say that you listen to your master. You listen to Nuruddin. If he becomes angry with you, the father said, even I won't stand in defense of you. Nuruddin is a man you must not disobey. So then Salahuddin al-Ayyubi with his chief judge, they worked out a way that let's start renovations in Al-Azhar. So for a few weeks there won't be Juma in Al-Azhar, work is taking place, so at least the Azhar cloud is out. And in another masjid we will do it, in the khutbah. So in the first, one of the first khutbahs before the final khutbah, they changed the wording. They said, may Allah guide the king. Instead of saying like good things about the king, they said, may Allah guide the king, Al-Malik Al-Adid. So by putting guide him means he's already off. He come right. In that manner they kept his name but they changed the wordings. May Allah guide him. And then came that Juma where there was no mention of his name. And they say like for Salahuddin al-Ayyubi it was like a night of dua before. Because like this is the final to see what will happen. That the name of the Khalif is gone. But everything was like quiet. He was shocked like what happened. He was so worried. And Allah made it that that King Al-Adid, he died that few days later, he passed away. Salahuddin Al-Ayyubi, it's written in the books of history, he laughed with his chief judge. He said, if I knew he is going to die in four days, next week Juma would have given that. Because he's dead now. So much of worry, last night, Thursday night, what's going to happen? If he died, then there's no issue. You have to take out his name. So the judge laughed. He said, if you never take out his name, you wouldn't have died. This was the... Heart attack that he went through. Even his name came out. But Nuruddin was still alive. Then Nuruddin passed away. When Nuruddin Zengi passed away for the world, is the master passed away. He was the one who stopped the crusades in its tracks. He was the one that changed the whole picture. He passed away. The passing away of Nuruddin created the real lion of Salahuddin. Now it wasn't only Egypt. Now his eyes were on Jerusalem. When the world today speaks about, they don't even know who Sherko is. They don't even speak about Nuruddin Zengi. They only know Salahuddin Al-Ayyubi. But what he was, he was the result of other lions before him. When the revolution of Islam takes place, then by Allah there is not only one lion. There are cubs and cubs waiting for the one lion to go. And another cub 
we have a hope, inshallah, we're seeing that revolution at the moment. So the martyrdom of one will not be the end of it. It will be watering the plants of the next one. And may Allah make it that we see now that rise again that starts. But this narration, how it showed high and down. Down, high, high, down. Which gave the message that when you're high, don't ever get gripped with pride. Because you can very fast come down. And when you are down, don't ever get gripped with a sense of hopelessness. Because very fast you're going to go back up. <coughs> By 11.50 or 10.90 they started. By 11.50 the European world was left in shock. Then whoever they send, they send the king of France, they send the king of Germany, king of England. Those are big names. Big names for them. They said Richard the Lionheart. Richard the lion heart. But we know when he was in Aqsa, he never had that heart of the lion. He was the one who ran. So big names they were in Europe, but in front of the Muslims, they were like zero. In front of the Muslims, they were zero. Once when you went, when you were in England, and they had one day where they were showing what was the strength of the mighty crusades, crusaders. So they had the weapons of the crusaders, and the swords of the crusaders, and the arms of the crusaders, and you put it on, that man said, this is what, the weight of this armor was 80 kilos. 80 kilos was the weight of only the top armor. And then so much kilos is the weight of that helmet. To get on the horse, you would have that squire. Squire's job was, he needed muscle because he needed to push that other man on top of the horse. And then once he would get on top of the horse, then he would have the squire to pull up his trousers. Because the trouser was so heavy. And then they would give him that lance. They would have that famous lance, especially the knight templars. When they would run into that battle with that lance, then like they were, that man said they were the unbreakable force of Europe. I don't think I was among the only Muslims there. I wanted to ask him, so who broke them? But because they broke. They did break. We know the crusaders failed. Eight crusaders they sent. Eight crusades. That first crusade they say was the only time they smiled. Number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight crusades they were over a 200 year period. They cried in all of them. There was one battle that they said Richard the Lionheart against Salahuddin al-Ayubi won. One battle. He said this was the only real battle. That's what they write. The only real battle. The others were like no battle. What it means we only won one. After the first crusade it was only tears after tears after tears. So when they showed how strong those Christian knights were, that man had to say that it means that in the world there was someone stronger. Someone stronger. When America sent their first armies to Afghanistan, there was a word. One is you have the army of NATO, which was the world. You had the word Rambo. This is like a Rambo. So there's a certain word that they have in the army who is like trained in all the fields and he reaches the very supreme level. I forgot that word now, whatever it is. It means he's like, he can't die. He jumps from that high helicopter, he lands anywhere and then bullets can be going around him. Rambo was to show like what our people are, Rambo. So like this, at that time when the battle of Afghanistan was taking place and they said we sent hundred of these, hundred of them. Mighty, mighty million military men and then they must have sent thousand or two thousand or three thousand of the best of the best and the poor Afghani he no name he got also he had no name 
That man had his suit and his weapons and this man had his nothing. But how do you ask the question 20 years later, how did this man defeat that one? How did it happen? So at that time you would have asked that who defeated them? Like The unbreakable broke. When Allah's power comes through the people of Iman, what a power is created. The crusades met their end. Although history will show them the strongest that Europe could ever create. The world one day will say America was the strongest that the Western world could bring about. And when you ask, but who broke them? Then you look at one Afghanistan and you'll see the man sitting there with his children playing a game. He's still got that same shawl. He hasn't changed one, but he's still got his sandals. That child is still playing with him, reading his kitab, playing with one small toy gun. And you'll wonder, how did you all defeat the mighty armies of Kufr? You'll say, when the decision of Allah comes, nothing can break Allah's decision.